Welcome to the Third Variable Podcast. I'm the host, L.F. Speller, and you can find this show on SoundCloud and soon where other podcasts are found. The show's Twitter is at 3RDVariable, and the email is 3RDVariablePodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send me feedback, topical questions, responses to some of the content that you hear during the show, etc. Send those in to the uh, Twitter handle or the Gmail account. And we can make this show our show. So third variable podcast, what is it? Well, I called it third variable because as a social scientist, I do this researching and studying of relationships between variables or different things here. And what often can come up is that there might be other outside influences to consider or third variables. So I'm hoping that my voice in this kind of meta sense, my voice might be in some way contributing to additional influence that you might hear. And thus we have the podcast. So, of course, I'll be speaking from my own individual perspective, my own personal worldview. But I'm more than open to hearing what other people have to say and using it as part of whatever it is that we got going on here with this third variable experimental podcast situation. So on episode two, I mentioned that I wanted to talk about intuitive expertise. And I wanted to talk about expertise because of all of the information we have available to us. It is October 25th, 2019. And the internet is just allowing for all types of access to all kinds of things, at least here in the States. And we might be overwhelmed with the amount of information that we have such that we might be frozen when it comes to making decisions or how we feel about certain things. Um, You might be using certain platforms that will cater to whatever it is that you might have unknowingly or knowingly agreed to and therefore not receive all the information that you could in order to make the best decision. Zuckerberg has been talking to Congress this week and last week about this very thing when it comes to Facebook and this whole whether or not they are fact-checking political ads and all this jazz. So there's a lot of information out there. And experts in these fields of politics, of you know, environmental conservation, or whatever it else it is out there, law... It might be that these experts have a lot of information and therefore give it to us over the radio or over the uh, internet video sites or whatever it is, okay? But we also have to make decisions on things that we might not be experts about. So I at least wanted to go take a look at some study, some research out there where the experts who study experts can break it down for us and talk about how people make decisions, because oftentimes the research out there can be generalizable to the public. And so I'm going to try to make some attempts here to do so. So the name of the paper that I chose is called Conditions for Intuitive Expertise, A Failure to Disagree. And the authors are Daniel Kahneman out of Princeton and Gary Klein with the Applied Research Associates. I think that's based in Ohio. And they are basically representing two different approaches to the study of expertise. The first one I want to talk about is naturalistic decision-making. And this is an approach where they focus on more of the success of people who are experts and the intuitions that they seem to have. 
And the whole goal of the naturalistic decision-making folks is to take a look and demystify what intuition actually might be by identifying certain cues that the experts might use in order to make their judgments. Even if those cues involve tacit knowledge or this implied knowledge or knowledge that they have, even when they don't necessarily know how to articulate what it is that they're using. Here's an example. Earlier in my research career, I was studying human performance uh, and uh, specifically related to more like sports psychology and motor control. And one of the things that I was learning was you might have experts who could tell you to the best of their ability what they were doing in order to become, you know, so successful and achieve the heights that they had in their particular sports field. But very often you had those people who are not able to articulate. You know, I take this form, I release the ball, or I swing the bat, or I do whatever. I do these uh, backswings, downswings, follow through with the golf club, and I just kind of line it up and make it happen, right? So you can have certain knowledge and certain skills. Maybe this, might, this would go into uh, kind of implicit knowledge that you have that you aren't able to talk about, aren't able to discuss very eloquently, and therefore can't really describe what's going on. But clearly, based on your performance, you're good at it. So if these people out here making decisions and using expert intuition, the researchers want to see, well, what are you doing? And see if we can't piece it together if you aren't able to. The other camp is the heuristics and biases group. So we can understand biases to mean you have a certain leaning towards one way or the other for things. Take confirmation bias, for instance, where you have a preference for information that already confirms whatever it is that you believe. Okay, or you can have other kinds of biases towards or against things. And the word heuristics here is basically means rule of thumb. So an example that I give my students when I'm teaching about heuristics, um, one in particular, the availability heuristic. Whatever it is that comes to mind for us, we use as a rule of thumb in order to make the best decision that we can or best educated guess we can. So one of the common examples is, are there more words that start with the letter R or words that have R as a third letter in them. So we might immediately jump and think, well, it's probably words that start with the letter R, because that list more easily comes to mind. But in actuality, it's about three times as many words that have R as a third letter, but those might be a little more challenging for, for that list to kind of come to mind. So we just make the decision based on the available information to us or whatever it is that we can immediately access, using that particular rule of thumb, okay? That's what a heuristic is. So this group, Heuristics and Biases, they want to look at a more skeptical approach, okay? Not necessarily looking at these successes, but they want to take a look at what happens in noisy human judgment or when we have information in here that might be pushing our judgments into more of the incorrect category and how that might impair their validity or basically getting people to make judgments about something and not realizing that they're not really making that judgment about what they think they are. Okay. It's not necessarily valid. So you can have, it's important for us to have reliability and validity uh, when we're doing our research. But if you aren't really studying or talking about what you think you are, it's kind of good to know, especially if you have to be called in to make an expert judgment on it. So the point is that both experts and non-experts i.e. 
humans, <laughs> human people, we make mistakes. And there are two ways of studying what's going on in this case. So there are intuitive judgments that some professionals make that are impressively skilled and others are remarkably flawed. Okay, so those kinds of things might be you are called in to make a diagnosis and you miss it. Wow, how did you miss that? Okay, perhaps there was something going on with the information that you were using that negatively impacted your ability to make the correct decision. So the once again, the NDM or the naturalistic decision-making researchers compare the performance of those professionals with that of the most successful experts in their field, okay, looking at that high success rate, whereas the heuristics and biases researchers prefer to compare the judgments of certain professionals with the outcome of some model that they come up with, some mathematical model that makes the best possible use of available information. So you got the best possible use of available information, and then the experts see how they compare, see where they're making their mistakes. So one of the conclusions here, out of all of this, looking at you know how people are good, how people are bad at making decisions, is that inconsistency is a major weakness of informal judgment okay so this is coming back to less of the experts and more of us so a lot of times you can and even in the case of experts to be fair you can put the same information in people uh, in front of people on separate occasions and they can come up with different conclusions all right and so even the experts might have some difficulty here when it comes to making certain judgments and certain decisions. And the reason that this happens is because it might be that people are improperly applying the information that they think that they know in certain circumstances. And in other cases, they could just be lucky. And that was one of the conclusions that the researchers came up with. And the environment also plays a role here. So if the environment provides valid cues and good feedback, then eventually this skill and expert intuition will begin to develop in certain people, uh, provided, of course, that they have sufficient talent in order to make those kinds of judgments and decisions in the first place. And there was this other paper uh, in 1992 where this author, Simon, states that the situation has provided a cue, and this cue has given the expert access to information stored in their memory, and the information provides the answer. And his argument is that intuition is basically nothing more and nothing less than recognition. Okay, so just recognizing and being able to identify what the situation is. If it's familiar to us, we can say whatever it is that gives us the answer, that gives us this intuition towards this right answer because we're able to recognize what we may have seen or come across before. Now, what might that require? That might require a couple of things. One, it might require that you have some kind of education in whatever it is that you're dealing with. And I don't necessarily mean formal education, getting degrees and all that, but you at least have learned about this topic or you know something about it through your own reading or through some video you watched or whatever medium it is that you learned it. The other thing that this implies is that we have some basic understanding of what it is that we do and don't know, metacognition. So this idea of expertise um, and discussing it 
was also related to the documentary that I saw that I was talking about in the previous episode there you have the Dunning-Kruger effect and the imposter syndrome. So the Dunning-Kruger effect is actually pretty interesting. Um, And so there was this meta-analysis or systematic review rather, which is basically they look at a bunch of studies that were done across the board and they wanted to get a look at some of the behaviors that come about or some of the findings in general across all these papers and see what happens here. But first I want to describe again what the Dunning-Kruger effect is. And it's basically this idea that people are often overconfident in reporting their competencies compared to their actual performance. In other words, people think they're a lot better at whatever it is that they're trying to do than they might actually are. Those who are going through an experience in this Dunning-Kruger effect. And in that documentary that I was talking about, I believe it was related to flat eartherism, one of the reasons why the scientists and the flat earthers were not seeing eye to eye and somewhat, you know, going at each other indirectly was because the scientists believed that they were correct based on the information that they had available and the flat earthers believed that they were correct based on the information that they had available. And I'm just going to have to lean on the side of the actual scientists because we have lots of evidence and all of those things. I told you before, I'm a social scientist. And so some of what is evidenced, and especially what they brought up in the documentary, was the fact that the, a lot of these people are experiencing this Dunning-Kruger effect, where you think that you know what you're talking about. And so you're very confident in the fact that you know what you're talking about, even where when it might be the case that certain things that are presented to you demonstrate that you are incorrect. You were trying to eliminate biases here and eliminate uh, fallacies in our thinking. The other thing that I wanted to talk about was the imposter syndrome, which is also interesting. Uh, There was a study done about the imposter syndrome and how it shows up uh, pretty frequently in uh, fields, at least in fields of education, uh, for sure. And and, and really, and wherever it is that you might be experiencing your employment or your particular career choice. But this paper in particular was talking about in uh, academics and they were looking at women who earn their PhDs in uh, different professions and fields and all that jazz. And they considered themselves to be imposters because they felt like despite earning their degree and going through the same grind that everybody else did, getting the high scholastic honors and achievements and all that jazz, they still felt like they did not experience this internal sense of success. They felt like imposters in the space in which they were operating. And so the reason why I'm bringing up this idea of the Dunning-Kruger effect and the imposter syndrome is because I wanted to have this takeaway. So combining this Dunning-Kruger effect, the imposter syndrome, this this idea of expert intuition or expert uh, expertise and all this, to encourage people to take some initiative By doing two things. One, do some introspection. Okay, Consider your own cognition or how it is that you think or what it is that you think you know. Okay, Take a moment and understand 
And when it comes to certain fields or certain areas of thought or philosophies or, you know, whatever beliefs that you might have, take a moment. Think about those beliefs that you have. Then take a second moment and think about why it is that you have those beliefs. And then if you are willing and open to it, take a third moment and consider what other people have said about the different perspectives on the stance that you might have taken. Okay, and all of this, we are essentially getting the idea and the goal might be to understand what it is that you think and why it is that you think that. And then the second thing that I would encourage us to do is to learn something. So even though it might be difficult for you to understand, perhaps if it is in your interest, you could figure out how or why the thing is that you're interested in is and is occurring. So if you're interested in politics, but you're not sure where to start, maybe start by learning some terms or some basic civic stuff. If you're interested in psychology, but you're not sure where to start, looking at some intro psych type information, you know, those kinds of things. Expose yourself is essentially what I'm saying. Expose yourself to the information out there. There's plenty of it, definitely here in the United States uh, with the internet access that we have. You can learn all kinds of things online. The goal here that I'm trying to encourage us to do is to figure out what it is that we think for ourselves. You can say that there is some concern that I have, especially with this, you know, information dissemination and the things with the elections and all that, where people don't seem to even really care. I heard one thing on NPR where they were talking about, uh, you know, you know, this ad issue and how big of a deal it was. And then they had one expert that came on and said, well, whereas this might be a big deal and it could, and it, you know, it poses a lot of potential issues. One of the problems that we ran into was the fact that people don't even really look at the ads in the first place. So this might be a big deal to us, these talking heads and on the radio, but it might not be that big of an issue to, you know, quote unquote, regular voters. Right. So all that to say, if you're interested in something, be introspective about what you really know about it. Be, be honest with yourself. If you don't know, figure it out. It's okay to not know something. If you're wrong, that's okay too. Just do better, be better, and learn something. So now, after all of that, I want to transition into the next section, what's really good. So for this section of what's really good, I wanted to just briefly for a moment talk about um, my summer, essentially. Um, it's been a, quite a while between episode two and this present episode three. And the duality of the phrase, I can't wait to live. So I'm in graduate school. I am finishing out my doctorate. I'm a doctoral candidate presently. Uh, there's been a lot of ridiculous bumps and roadblocks and all kinds of obstacles along this abnormally long and abnormally difficult journey that I've been on. And along the way, I've put a lot of things to the side and I decided to you know, focus on them later when I had the chance after I finish. 
And the thought would come to me, I can't wait to live. Like, I just can't wait to be able to just live and exist and do things that everybody else seems to be able to do so effortlessly, right? Grass is green on the other side, right? So then, towards the end of last academic year, so towards the beginning, of, uh, towards the uh, spring of this present year, 2019, I had some things happen and it became evident that people were not necessarily as motivated or invested in me as I was thinking they were and the impact that that had on how invested I was in myself. And so I did some evaluation and I thought, I can't wait to live, meaning I can no longer wait to live based on me trying to finish this present step, this present obstacle to transition into, quote unquote, the next phase. Because really, the different phases of life, if you will, are kind of overlapping in certain parts, as opposed to there being an immediate stop and start of the next step. At least that's how it's been for my my life. And so it went from I can't wait to live, like, just let me be able to do something in the future, please, to, you know what? I can't wait to live. I'm just going to do this thing now. I want to do it. There's no reason other than me stopping myself for, I don't know, selfish reasons, pride reasons, you know, calling myself, focusing in on trying to finish this degree out. But the wife and I went on a cruise to Bermuda. It was incredible. I ended up getting a motorcycle. Super fun new hobby for me and reintroducing this thing called sleep to my life. Now that my children are older, older and they aren't waking up in the middle of the night and all of that. And they haven't for a couple of years now, but I still maintain that habit of just staying up and trying to, you know, maximize my day by rushing and doing all these things. And then just feeling more physically broken from it. And just pushing myself through, like I said, this long time of ridiculous circumstances. But now I'm starting to take better care of myself, starting to enjoy myself more, engage in my hobbies more, relaxing on the financial situation and all that. As long as we're copacetic, it's all good, right? And it's just been really good. It's been really good to focus on myself in that way. So now as I'm teaching this term and am trying to uh, hone in more on this data and wrap this, this degree up, I'm approaching it at, at a different angle than I did uh, from a different angle than I did before. And I'm feeling much better about the whole thing. And uh, that's what's been really good. Also, the Joker movie was also pretty good in a different kind of way. Nevertheless, this has been an episode of the Third Variable Podcast. You can email the show at 3rdvariablepodcast at gmail.com. Catch the show on SoundCloud. Soon to other spots where the other podcasts hang out. You can reach the show via Twitter at 3rdvariable. And my personal handle on Twitter is at datpsychguy. D-A-T-P-S-Y-C-H-G-U-Y. When you tweet about the show, be sure to use the hashtag 3VP. That's the numeral 3, V and P for Third Variable Podcast. And we out.